Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 86. And we have Nathan Hershon. He's, I think he this is the third appearance. I think he might have the record, Amy. What do you think? I think so. Yeah, you have to look might. into it, but I think yeah. he's, he's right I, up there. Yeah, I think I think he might he might be the uh, one of the first to, to three, if not the first. So thanks for being on, Nathan. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like I'm I'm back on tour. You're my second podcast today, but for the past month, I haven't really done any podcasts because I've just been moving and dealing with all that craziness. So yeah, I'm that's be a little not, rusty. I was gonna say that's not like you. You're usually like at least a podcast a day, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm toning back. We're we're focusing more on paid ads and being more picky on podcasts. But always happy to to come back on your guys' show. I like it. Oh well, paid ads. Let's start there. Uh, so. Um, selling a digital product, which, uh, which I do, which Amy does, um, you know, what have you guys found that's working for, and probably a lot of people who are selling on Amazon probably have some side gigs, you know, they might be building websites for people or who knows what, but on, in, in the digital realm, um, you know, what's been working for you guys? Yeah, it's funny because the free up business model was just very difficult for paid ads. I think that the new owners will do a much better job for us. It's just tough because it's free to sign up. There's no minimums. People start, stop, part-time, full-time, just very tough to track ROI. So with free up or with Outsource School, we kind of saw an opportunity there. And we've been working with a Facebook ad guy that's been going really well. Um, we just started with a YouTube agency. So we're, we're kind of scaling a little bit back on the organic so that we can focus on some other stuff like investing in business and our software, um, but really focusing on that. I don't know if you guys saw my Facebook recently, but we have these funny ads coming out where um, it's like, hey, I lost all my hair by having a, a bad virtual assistant or making a bad hire. And each ad has me with a different haircut. So I'll have like a, an Afro or uh, Joe Dirt haircut. So we're, we're, we're still in experimental mode. It's going really well, but it's definitely a more creative fun side opposed to um, just doing a podcast every day as your, your only, only source of promotion. I love it. So it's more like the Harmon Brothers type uh, theme, right? Like Dollar Shave Club, which I right. think they were they were the OGs. Dollar Shave Club, man. That's if you guys haven't uh, watched that video, go and and go on YouTube and and look up Dollar Shave Club. It's like you know they'll probably have multiple ones, but look for the like one of the oldest ones. I think it got over a million views like really really quickly. It was hilarious. Um, it was very low budget, uh, but it was fantastic. I love those kinds of ads. And I think, you know, why those ads continue to be successful is because they're dual, like it's entertainment, um, you know, messaged uh, or integrated with, uh, you know, a marketing message, but it feels more like just like comedy rather than being sold to, right? Right. I think there's enough ads that are just like, hey, I'm the best, buy my stuff. So I feel like you got to uh, stand out in some way, but we'll see. I'm not, I'm not the, the guru of ads at, at this point, but we're, we're figuring some stuff out. So what awesome. is it like for you? You know, let's, let's start with a little bit on your story, Nate, for even though you've been on our show many times and you're everywhere, you've been on a million podcasts. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about your background and your recent kind of exciting transition um, in your career and entrepreneurship and um, catch us up. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I was a longtime Amazon seller. I started in 2008, 2009, uh, got in really early, started off buying and selling people's textbooks, uh, which kind of got me into Amazon along with half.com, if you remember that from eBay and a bunch of other places. But I, I eventually got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to stop competing with their bookstore, which ended up being one of the, the best things that happened to me because I pivoted. I did a, a ton of trial and error. I, I had to be one of the first thousand dropshippers on Amazon, dropshipping baby products and built a, a decently large Amazon business. Although I, I wouldn't say it was sustainable forever. It was sustainable while Amazon was small. And as Amazon got more competitive, we had scaled that business using virtual assistants because college kids were, were pretty unreliable. So we had spent a few years of that Amazon business really developing a, a good hiring system. And so we thought, hey, here are all these other Amazon sellers that have business models that are not drop shipping, that are more sustainable. What if we offer our virtual assistants, our freelancers to them? And that really led us down the path of building a full-blown marketplace to compete with the Upworks and Fivers of the world going after Amazon sellers to start uh, by year three, year two and a half, we were going after marketing and uh, the whole marketing industry, the, the coaches, the consultants, the, the agencies. And we ended up being acquired by, by one of our clients at, at the end of last year, which was kind of cool, which kind of led me on a, what do I, I, what do I do next type of adventure? <laughs> I love it. So I would love to know, so that, so if people don't know the Hoth, uh, the Hoth is an SEO company, um, which uh, purchased uh, outsource uh, or, um, uh, why can't I think of your other company? Uh, Free up. We'll Free sell up. them out for a school later. No, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Free up. Um, and, and, uh, yeah. So I, I would, I'm curious, have you been working with the Hoth? Like, are you guys, uh, you know, seeing as how you have a relationship there, are you doing organic stuff too for outsource school and are you using them? And if not, why not? <laughs> Uh, well, so first of all, we get all our VAs from free up still. Um, we have a great relationship with the new owners. We talk to them, I don't know, once a quarter. Or so probably more early on, they kind of update us on stuff that they're changing with free up, which most of the stuff we approve on, obviously we're not going to agree on every little thing, but they don't really have to do that. So that's been kind of cool. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, they were supportive of outsource school. They promoted outsource school to, to their community. Um, they actually asked our permission because they wanted to, again, running into the same thing of how do you run ads to a, a free up type business model they needed some kind of infographic to or info product to, to use for that so they kind of ran by us running ads and i mean we we want to win-win what's good for them is good for us we love the team there uh we train the team there and so yeah we have a great partnership with them um that yeah and and they own a lot of other businesses besides the, the hoth as well that's kind of their their well-known one but mark hargrove and david martin they own i don't know five ten different companies Love it. Love it. That's so cool. So what are some other things? I mean, you know, for me, uh, once again, you know, this is, I think this is going to be heavily focused on info products because, uh, I'm going to be selfish and pick your brain, Nathan, cause that's what I want to learn about. So in terms of, uh, info products, like what are, so you say, you know, you're doing, I assume you're doing all the standard stuff like SEO, um, you know, email, uh, paid ads. Is there anything else? Like, are you doing any kind of growth hacking, um, you know, what are you doing to, to get the word out? I know, I know you do podcast appearances. I would love to hear kind of like the list of what you guys are doing to get the word out. 
Yeah. So we kind of have this organic marketing blueprint that we're, we're tweaking from the free up days because the free up days was a lot of hustle, especially in that first year or two where we were working 14 hour days and we don't want to go back to that. Um, but it's the same overall blueprint. You've got podcasts, you've got partnerships, you've got affiliates. We've got a, a Facebook group of, of outsource school affiliates that I think there was like 250 of them or something like that. Um, SEO and, and getting in blog articles and, and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like I'm missing one of them. I don't know. There's one more that I'm not, I'm not thinking of influencers, maybe. Yeah. Influencers. So uh, we, we were, that kind of goes with partnerships. They all kind of go together in some way. Like sometimes an influencer, like, like you guys are like, uh, like Danny that from this morning, like they have a podcast. Sometimes they don't, sometimes they just promote you to their Facebook group. So you kind of come up with different ways to get in front of different communities. And when you can combine that with paid ads, I believe it can be incredibly powerful. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing less of, like we have a, a VA who handles our partnerships and our affiliates. And I don't really deal with that as much anymore. We have a VA that writes our blog articles, that does SEO outreach. We have a VA that does podcast outreach, obviously, and, and I have to show up for the, the podcast. Um, but the same organic marketing blueprint that I, I firmly believe works in, in any business, you just have to be targeted. You can't be like, hey, I'm just going to go on every single podcast. Like when we started with free up, we went on every single Amazon podcast. That was the goal. And then once everyone knew us in the Amazon space, only then did we move on to, to the marketing space. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and that comes down to I know something that I have a big problem with, which is really focusing on, you know, uh, I had a coaching call with my coach today and, uh, you know, he was talking about how, you know, that there's, there's, uh, bullets and cannonballs, right. And like <laughs> that you're supposed to start with bullets. So in other words, that's kind of like testing on, on, on a bunch of different channels and then finding what works and then hitting that one thing really, really hard. Um, which it sounds like that's kind of what you guys are doing, which is really cool. Um, and I think that, you know, once again, I'm rereading the book. I think it's called the one thing. Um, because once again, that's, I have ADD, right? So it's like, I, well, I don't know if I, I've never been diagnosed with ADD, but, uh, you know, we were on a zoom call with these new accountants that we had with my wife and I, and I was like playing, like resizing the window. And, and my wife was like, what are you doing? Like, why, why are you so, and I was just like, I'm used to having a podcast and kind of like producing it, you know, making sure the windows fit and, you know, all this stuff. And she was, she was making fun of me, but that's like a big issue uh, with me. And I know Amy's kind of similar in that sense where we're I'm similar you know, too. <laughs> yeah. We're at tons of ideas and it's really, really hard to focus on quote unquote, the one thing, but if you really break it down to, you know, even if we're talking Amazon, right? Like one product, like the 80, 20 kind of thing, like really concentrating on one product or one brand or one uh, form of marketing until you master that, until you get to the cannonball, then you can move on and shoot more bullets, you know? Uh, so that, that, I love that analogy because it really uh, put it into perspective for me. Um, any other kind of tips that you can give people uh, as an entrepreneur, Nathan, and as you said, like you have kind of that same problem, like how do you stay focused? Because that's a big issue with me and I'm sure a lot of people listening. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I definitely have a diagnosed ADD. I remember uh, the early years of working with my business partner, Connor, we'd be on a conference call or whatever. And he'd just be like, Nate, are you like paying attention? And my mind would just wander off. And I think I, I've gotten a, a little bit better at it over the years. But I mean, for 
up and now, like the 10 years or whatever that I've been an entrepreneur, like it was all Amazon. It was all free up. I invested in stocks kind of behind the scenes since I was 20, but for the most part, I'm, I'm focused on those businesses. And now I'm kind of at a point where I'm trying to not just be focused on one business. I have outsource school. I've got simply SOP, which is a software that we kind of used outsource school to, to get users in there. And now we're going to be promoting that separately. Uh, we're looking to invest in one company a quarter uh, going forward the, over the next year. So that takes up time going more into stocks. And also now I have some real estate stuff going on as well. So kind of changing my mentality, which was like, Hey, wake up every day, work 10 hours on growing free up to, Hey, how do you divide your time and maximize it and make sure you're getting the most out of it. And it's almost like another level of trusting people even more than we did at free up, which I think we did a decent job. Like I have a, we rented out our, our old place when we moved to Denver and I have a property manager that's like handling that. And I, anytime that I'm spending like calling plumbers, like that's not a good use of my time. So, but I have to really trust him and, and very similar to other stuff on simply SOP. We have an awesome team there um, and going into investing companies, dividing up between Connor and I. So I think hopefully it's the next level of, of entrepreneur that, that I can level up on. Oh, see, I didn't know you were in uh, Colorado now. So you're on mountain time too. So we're mountain time partners now. I love it. And sure. uh, also now that I know that you're delving out money, I'm going to have to pitch you on, on, on some of the stuff <laughs> I'm working on. Um, Let's do it. So, <laughs> so um, on that token, you know, um, you know, Amy and I have talked about this before um, and, and there's always a, a, a an interesting, um, you know, there's always like a, a huge list of tools and I always have to go through, like, I kind of do it like every quarter and, you know, cut out tools, figure out tools, what, what, you know, that work for my use case, uh, things like that. Are there any tools that you consider essential that you guys are using that really help you stay organized and get things done like Airtable or, um, I forget the other one, Cataban, where you can like slide things, uh, back and forth. Like what, what are you using in terms of like productivity, you know, marketing, keeping things on track? I would love to know that. So it's so funny for free up ran on Skype, like for four years, I, I, I think I Skyped you guys there. Like we connect clients and freelancers. We had freelancer groups. The second the Hawk bought free up, the first thing they did was take everyone off Skype, put them on Slack. And we saw that and we're like, all right, like, I think we'll check out Slack. I don't know how we did Skype for four years. Like there's no going back. Slack is immensely <laughs> better than, than Skype yeah. ever was. Um, and, and I'm kind of bummed out that Salesforce bought them because I'm hoping that they don't change anything that um, <laughs> makes it worse. So Slack is essential. We're on Slack every single day. That's how we communicate with our virtual teams. The stuff that we teach at Outsource School, unless it's like a, a voice role for like customer service or sales, everything's on Slack. Our interviews are on Slack, the onboarding on Slack, all of our meetings are on Slack. Um, and we even have a, a Slack playbook that you can get at, at Outsource School. So Slack's essential. Um, we use Trello and, and we use Trello in a, a bunch of different ways. So Connor and I use it for our own projects to divide up short and long-term projects. And we use it with all of our creatives. So you know, like our graphic design playbook, our video editing playbook, we, we kind of break through how, hey, when we have a graphic design project, the first thing it does is it gets thrown in Trello. Same thing with video editors. And there's a process it goes in so that I always know when there's something that I need to review or something's waiting on an editor, or it could be that the video editor is waiting on the graphic designer. And so it's all very organized in there. Um, our developers use Jira. I don't know why that Connor kind of handles the dev side, but for whatever reason, they, they like that tool. Oh, I um, hate it. I hate it. We had people trying to use it and I, and I'm, you know, and I've done a lot of development in my life and I absolutely hate it. It's like not intuitive at all. I don't know how 
and I've heard that from tons of people and I just, I don't get it. Sorry to interrupt. The issue, but yeah. the issue that I have with Trello is I, I like Trello and the different templates and the way that it's organized. But the issue that I have with it is that it's not, it's another thing that I have to go to, right? It's not integrated with the rest of my tools. And so I use a lot of Google's tools for productivity and task management uh, because they're right there where everything else is. They're fully integrated. Where Trello is like, okay, I have to go to Trello and then you know see what's going on and then leave it to go to all these other apps. And what I love about Slack is it's fully integrated with Zoom and your emails and we have Zapier sending you know orders, everything like that. And we can do the different channels. And um, so I love Slack for centralized management. But that was the the thing with Trello that I couldn't I couldn't overcome. Yeah, I mean, I I think my Trello organization is is somewhat chaotic, but it, it works for me. I'm very good at like prioritizing the next thing. So I kind of have these long lists of all these things I want to do. And if I'm randomly like thinking on a walk, I'll like write it down. And then the first thing I do every morning is like reorganize and just like chip away, which works for me, but probably won't, won't work for everyone. Um, the other tool that we use is, is our own tool. And we really do use it as uh, Simply SOP. When we sold free up and they needed all our standard operating procedures, we just turned over like, like hundreds of pages of Google Docs. And it was just very chaotic, very unorganized. Like it was as organized as it could be because um, we're decently organized people, but we, we kept looking for a better solution. So we built the software for standard operating procedures of virtual teams. We use it ourselves, our outsource school members use it, and we'll be promoting that as well. Those are the, the main tools that we use. Unless I, uh, I'm not thinking of another one. Yeah, I, I love that. I think, I think that is one of the huge places where a lot of where, where there's still a lot of room for growth is SOPs and uh you know uh you know it's like operations people with, management just really. in general I mean like even if you yeah. look at the Amazon space right like there's nobody who has uh you know a, a, like hey buy a package on how to manage your PPC, right? I mean, there's instructions on how to learn it, but there's not like something that you can hand to a VA that says like, step one, do this, step two, do that. Not only that, but it's always evolving, right? So if you build something in a Google Doc, two weeks from now, you know, Amazon's going to say, oh, here's offsite video ads, this new thing we, you know, and now all that work that you just did is now outdated and they've changed the UI and all this kind of stuff. So I think there's huge opportunity there, which Nathan, I think that you're kind of, you know, it's not necessarily Amazon focused, but um, I definitely think you're, you're in the right, uh, you know, going in the right direction in terms of having some, some SOP stuff, which is fantastic. Any other kind of passions, you know, I know you're doing, you're doing outsource school, you're doing the SOP stuff, like anything else you we're talking about, like real estate, uh, crypto, like what other things are you really into right now? Yeah. So 2020, I, I've read probably more books than I have, I don't know, in the past three years or so since probably free up started. So I, I've been reading a lot about just different marketing stuff. Like I find webinars fascinating. I've been reading uh, Jason F's book on webinars and that's right over there. Um, yeah. Just kind of diving down uh, tools of Titans is up there. I read that this year, just a lot of stuff in there and, and kind of going over different industries. Like I read a lot about angel investing. I read a lot about real estate, kind of jumping into different categories to see what I'm interested in and what I'm not. Um, I'm also just a big like workout guy. Uh, like it, it's weird. I used to hate working out from home and now I don't even know like how I went to the gym anymore. I, I, I kind of definitely overpaid for weights on offer up because weights just cost way too much right now. Um, but I was able to, now that I have a house, I built the gym downstairs. I get to spend like an hour there every day. I'm probably in better shape than I was two years ago. Um, so that's another one of my passions. 
I mean, outside of that, you've got like the travel and the concerts and the stuff like that, but you're not really doing a lot of that in 2020. So I'm kind of just making do with, with what I can. <laughs> yeah, I so love it. Yeah. In terms of, you know, you're into all these things right now. You said that you're, you really have leveled up as an entrepreneur. You've been able to take it to where you were really focused on one business and you really grew that one business and you learned how to build a team and make that business sellable handoffable, right? Which is, and then you've taken those concepts and that framework and you've applied it. You've looked at the opportunities out there that other people need help with the same way FreeUp was born, right? Because people needed help with, with VAs and you already had VAs that were trained and that were trusted. And, you know, that's a, a big thing in the service-based community. But what would you say is the turning point? I would say, a, first, let's leverage your experience of hiring a team, whether it's a VA or, um, or somebody local, right? But what would you say is the turning point for when people really need to think about, when they really need to do some reflection and go, hey, I know it's an e-commerce business, four-hour work week, but I'm never going to grow if I don't hire, right? What would you say is the turning point for that? And then my second part of this question is, what would you say is the turning point for when you're ready to focus on more than one business and really start kind of putting your, your attention in different areas? So to answer the first question, for whatever reason, I start businesses with, with $5,000. I don't know why that's a number. It makes sense in my head because I start very like lean businesses that don't, I'm not like buying an office to start the business. And $5,000 is a lot of VA work that you kind of can burn through before you have to start making money. Um, and it gives you a little bit of a cushion. I actually talked to someone uh, who we might end up investing in his company. He said he heard me say that on a podcast. He started his company with $5,000 and he's crushing it. So for, for me, it's like, hey, listen, if you have no money or you, you're going to really struggle if you go into a, like a little bit of debt, like, yeah, you should be hustling and doing every little thing yourself to get that initial money. But at some point you have to understand that not everything you do as an entrepreneur is going to work out. Like we talked about that organic marketing playbook uh, of free up, like, going on podcasts, partnerships, blog articles. Like there was a bunch of other stuff that we did that just didn't work out. But the, the key was, is we had virtual assistants getting all these different things off the ground. And when things didn't work, we we're like, okay, that's a loss. We lost a few hundred bucks. Let's pull back. And when things started to work, we invested more and more time into it. So for me, it's kind of understanding that, Hey, being an entrepreneur is just kind of coming up with a lot of different ideas and maybe reading about other people's ideas and trying to tweak what other people are doing. But by having a team, it allows you to experiment and burn through those ideas a lot faster. Instead of taking six months, you might be able to go through all these ideas in a few weeks or a month or whatever it is. And I think that that's something that we've kind of learned where with Outsource School, we were able to kind of hit the ground running, even with our, our first product. We're like, hey, how do we just get this first product out there, try to sell it, if it fails, like, oh, well, we refund everyone. We move on to something else. Like, we'll be okay. And if it takes off, then we'll then we'll start figuring out what works on info products because I promise you it's not the same thing that, that exactly works on free up. So I think that's kind of the best way I can answer it. I, I kind of always hated the questions like, when's the right time to hire a VA? Or like, who should I hire first? Because that's just different for every business. But it just comes down to how much time do you really have in a day? How much money do you actually have to play with? And what can you do to kind of burn through that trial and error to, to figure out what works? Um, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, I think that really does. And I love the idea of, first of all, looking at, 
starting your business with $5,000. I love that benchmark. And I love your, your thought process around it is there is a lot of ideas that are going to come into play. And the more of a team that you have to help you burn through them, the faster you can move forward and stop doing what doesn't work versus, you know, we all hate like when we're sourcing from China, for example, and especially right now when we can't source in person and we're having to like send samples back and forth and it takes like months to come up with a new product. And, you know, it's so frustrating if you don't have people there on the ground or you don't have other people to work those hours that, you know, you can contact your suppliers and stuff like that. And just having a team to work on each of those aspects, you could really cut your timeline down, right? So I think if people think of it that way and budget their money that way, instead of thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I, I don't have, I don't want to burn through my $5,000 and then, and then not be able to make that money. So I love that mindset. Um, I think it's a struggle too. When you start getting, especially into the Amazon community, you doors start opening. It was like the minute I left my job and went full time into business. So I met so many people that I wanted to do cool things with <laughs> and so many opportunities presented themselves. And I don't regret any one of the opportunities that I said yes to, but I definitely chased a lot of squirrels and lost some money in the process because, um, I think Andy mentioned it earlier, like in the beginning, when you first started e-commerce, you think, oh, I'm going to start 20 different brands and I'm going to do all these different things, but you need to focus on one brand and variations of one product that's working. And, you know, to be able to turn that money over because foundations cost money. Foundations, every new business that costs $5,000 and then doesn't work out, you know, you're spreading yourself really thin. So I think there is a fine balance um, in really looking at what is just potentially a squirrel <laughs> and what is really in line with your personal vision and your personal um, goals and your own passions. Would you, would you say that, Nathan? Yeah. And to add a little bit more to that, I mean, part of being an entrepreneur is knowing when to say no and knowing when to, to quit. And just because you quit on one particular thing doesn't mean you're, you're quitting as an entrepreneur as a whole. But I remember the situation where I spoke at a conference and somehow I ended up um, talking to this guy who he was selling dresses online and he was like hemorrhaging money. Um, I was a young entrepreneur, so it wasn't really my place to like tell him, hey, like this is a stupid idea. But I remember that the, the, this other entrepreneur that I respect went up to him and he essentially said, like, how much money do you have to lose before you like before then you do that you consider like that it's not going to work out. And the guy didn't really have an answer. And kind of my my message in my mind is like there's got to be some limit. And even without thinking in that way, I, I've kind of done that. Like before I, I talk about books to, to baby products, but there's a lot of stuff in between there that I tried and spent a few hundred dollars on on computers and, and CDs and all different things that didn't work out, but I didn't spend six months on each one of them. I realized, hey, I'm not making any money here. I quit. I moved on to the next thing. Uh, there, there was a, a hookah company that I thought was really cool in between uh, my Amazon business and FreeUp. And I spent about 30 days testing out the market there. And I was like, hey, no one wants tobacco-free hookah. So I got out of that and I, I focused on FreeUp. So, but you wouldn't have known that unless you try. Maybe that was the next big market that turns into to Bitcoin. 
but I think knowing when to, to kind of quit and be like, hey, I can't spend any more money here, any more time here um, becomes incredibly essential. And bringing it now to, to like when we invest in, in companies, um, we're, we're, we have an application, people go through it. Like we don't want to hop on five phone calls and then be like, hey, it's not a fit. Like we want to establish that early on similar to interviewing someone for a VA role or figuring out a, an issue after the hire, like the earlier you catch that stuff, the more time it allows you for other things that'll actually be worth your time and money. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.